0: I just really, really hated myself a lot. Why are we so hot on ourselves all the time? Life is so complicated and crazy and there's no way that we can control it all. <laughs> My name's Isabella Sandak, Lewin, but everyone calls me Izzy Sandak um, and I'm South African, although I I'd identify more as... Um, I don't know, British now because I've been living here for so long and I feel like this is my kind of base. And South Africa is just like a beautiful place that I was lucky to grow up in and see. Um, and yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Great. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. <laughs> so... Yeah, so tell me what... So you're at Cambridge, you've just finished. Yes. This is how we know each other, we live together. Yeah, we live together in Magdalen. Yeah. And you are... Actually, can you say the story of your surname, since you just mentioned it? Yeah,
0: sure. Okay, so um, no one else, um, apart from like my immediate like family, has Sandagluin's surname. Um, it's a double... Barrel surname and Sandak originates from um, someone on my dad's side of the family who was saved in um, the Holocaust and he was brought over by um, a philanthropist um, in South Africa and uh, he was the only one who I like satisfied all the criteria to like being the right age, being healthy, um, to be adopted. Um, and be brought over into South Africa. And um, when he was adopted, he wanted to keep the family name. He was adopted by the Lewins, so um, that's how we got Sandak Lewin. Yeah. How old was he? Uh, he was thirteen. So he just made the cut um, at that age limit.
1: And that's your dad's.
0: Yes.
1: My dad's.
0: Yeah. No, it's my dad's, dad's. It's from my dad's grandpa's. Like, I'm not sure of the specifics beyond that. <laughs> I should know I'll, my my Omar wrote a, wrote a book and she's got a shit ton of details in there so I should probably read that and
1: what's an Omar?
0: An Omar uh, is what I call my granny on my dad's side of the family she's German and so Omar, Opa is grandpa um, it's a, a German word for granny and grandpa
1: and you have a German passport as well
0: I have a German passport I have a British passport and I have a South African passport do you have a british
1: passport
0: yeah oh because your mom is from here yeah so my mom was born in the uk and she also has a super interesting story <laughs> yeah she does
1: yeah okay so tell me about how you grew up okay
0: so i grew up in cape town um in uh Jewish community um which I had a very love hate relationship with um I it is kind of weird because being in like the Jewish community you kind of have this huge sense of belonging but at the same time um there was a lot of sense of not belonging um what do you mean as in like it's so tight-knit um but also there's not a lot of diversity. And so like sometimes you just feel like you don't fit in to this like kind of like the roles that, that most people take on and the roles are pretty um, rigid, but at the same time, it's a small community and you do feel like, because you're in it, you do feel like this kind of sense of belonging. So there's kind of like a dichotomy there. Um, but yeah, I, I went to a Jewish day school, Herzliya, Um, and I, um, I think, Oh, what should I, how, how detailed should I go? As detailed
1: (laughs) as you want to (laughs) go.
0: I went to Jewish day school called Herzliya. School wasn't really easy for me. Um, I always felt like I was trying to like make friends and I, I never really felt like I really fitted in. Um, I remember like, when I was 13 and celebrating my bat mitzvah and having so much anxiety over like who's going to write a speech for me and, and talk about me. And, um, even when like I got my friends to write the speeches, I never really, like I always questioned like whether even what they were saying was true. I guess that's like a bit of imposter syndrome. As in see. if they were saying nice things about Yeah. Them. Like if they really meant it and these kinds of things. Um, I um, I danced a lot when I was younger and I absolutely love that. Like those are my happiest memories are always just being on stage and being with my dancing friends. And um, yeah, I really, really, really have such a passion for it. And um, it's like my one happy place <laughs> to be on stage and to be dancing. Um, but yeah, so we're we talking about how I grew up, um, one big thing that I remember was my parents getting divorced or starting to get divorced around the age of when I was like 12 years old. And that was, um, that was quite traumatic. That was like the first time I think just realizing that like, you know, these people who you think are super, super humans and are like completely stable and grounded, like actually they're also trying to figure things out. And I think that's the first time I really realized like life's not very black and white and it's not, um, it's not, it's not so easy all the time. Um, and yeah, I have three siblings, um, and we all, um, kind of dealt with the divorce in, in very different ways. And, um, yeah.
1: How do you feel like you dealt with that at that time? I think at the time
0: I, I felt really, really angry towards my dad and um, I stopped talking to him for like maybe three years. I didn't speak to him at all and I felt um, really upset at him and I couldn't understand like why he cheated and why he did all of these things um, and... I think I also felt a lot of, a lot of hurt for um, his partner that he was with as well. And um, I just had like a lot of hate in my heart and it's a feeling that like, it's just not a nice feeling to, to live with. Um, and now, like as I've grown older, I have the best relationship with my dad and I'm so lucky and I love him and I know that he loves us so much and um, I love his partner too and I think that um, she makes him happy and I think that that whole experience, it, it just taught me about like, you know, people just don't want to feel lonely and we all like, we, we all do have good intentions and it's, it's, it's kind of like finding that balance between putting yourself first um, and putting others first and there's no right answer to that so. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a lot of learning for (laughs) a young person. I mean it is but you are so young and you're you're so like these conclusions a lot of people don't realise until way later in life. Yeah. Or maybe they never realise. Yeah.
0: I think like I think that there are experiences that like that I I don't feel like i'm like necessarily like brave or anything like that because these things kind of happened to me and i just you know like dealt with them and i think like other things like you know also uh, with the divorce like i i also at the same time started like with my eating disorders and all of that stuff um i definitely don't think that that's something i mean maybe that was more internal um and like I kind of appreciate these opportunities for allowing me to 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 learn, and I think that like having these deeply sad times also makes me the happy person that I am today because it like makes me appreciate like all the all the highs as well. Um,
1: but yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about then what happened? Because I think your story so interesting, but we, yeah, <laughs> as, in, as you've told me, <laughs> but like then how you ended up kind of living on your own for a bit.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. So
0: I, when my parents got divorced, they moved into like, um, uh, smaller flats that were like closer to the, to the beach and, um my dad was just like, okay, there's not enough rooms for everyone. Like we can just get an extra one. Um, And um, I was very happy to, to move in around the time I was like 14 or 15. And I think that like, I, I mean, it's, it is, it is now that I look back at it, like I remember at the time, like feeling really like, oh, I really miss like family dinners and all of these things. Um, and, but I also enjoyed the the independence. I also felt like sometimes I wish that, like, I did have more attention from my parents during that time because, like, they were super, like, hands-off, which is, like, really nice and um, all of that. There was nothing to rebel against or anything, and I think that's why I had a, like, it. I had a pretty, like, kind of, like... I mean, I don't think I was necessarily that naughty or anything. I didn't have much to rebel against. Um, but... Um Yeah, I guess. I I spent a lot of time when I was younger, like alone. And in addition to like living alone, I didn't really have that many that many friends either. Um, and that was as, as a result of like just being like super, super invested in my dancing. And I think like with everything happening, like my dancing was like one outlet um, that I just focused like all of my attention to. Um, and so I used to dance like like all the time Saturdays nine to five we'd go on like tours, we'd like that was my entire life um and I guess like it kind of segregated me from like all of my peers and and around school and stuff because like you know, if anyone asked me um if I was free, I'd always be like, nope, I'm, I'm dancing and I'm busy, and I love that um I really, really really love that um but then towards like am i jumping around a bit <laughs> <laughs> you can jump around if <laughs> you want. yeah um towards the end like I, I i stopped dancing a lot when i was like 17 18 just because i had developed anorexia like around 15. um i think that's a combination of a lot of things like just a low self-esteem and also wanting to be like the best dancer and of course your body's always on display and and, you know getting told that i'd like um like big thighs or like who told you that so mrs cheeseman told me that she also said my shoulders were too broad and there was nothing i could do about it but (laughs) in what context in the context of i that was for an audition for um rad which was like a, a intensive like an extra intensive program of like conditioning and and, mm. and training and stuff and you could also at the end like perform in shows and I just didn't get the parts and it was written in an email but there were always like small things like the first time I walked into the like the new company that I was dancing in um, like I remember Mrs. Cheesman saying she was like girls you see that tummy? We're going to get rid of that and she was pointing to me and I was like this like you know like curvy like, like you know chubby little like 14, 15 year old, like I, I, I've like never been like a skinny body type and there were all these like ballerinas and they were like little sticks. Um, and it was horrible. I remember coming home and just like crying and like bashing my like arms on on the sofa and my head was just like cuddled in the, in the fucking pillows. And it was just like, I felt like so, so, so angry at myself. Um, and I think that that's definitely was like a part of it i just remember realizing like one day i was like okay like i don't if i don't eat like i can feel like this kind of numbness and i got addicted to that that feeling and i it like happened so quickly that suddenly like if i put anything in my mouth i would feel so fucking angry at myself and i'd be like you do not like deserve this and um it felt good it was i guess it was like a self-harm thing in a way and it was like one thing that i could control amongst like everything else amongst like you know my dad like constantly moving different flats and like uh, you know my mom like feeling upset that she doesn't have like the whole family units anymore and you know i also had a troubling relationship with my older sister so like i don't know there was like one thing that like i could feel like i was in control um but it wasn't necessarily to like get skinny like that's like it it was way deeper than that it was way deeper than that
1: yeah and did people start noticing
0: yeah and i remember at first like being like really happy that that people were noticing and then like all of a sudden i was like so I suddenly felt so embarrassed. I remember going to dancing class and like I bought this like jumpsuit that was like had like really thick wool, so it could like cover up that I was skinny. And I started feeling so embarrassed about it. I remember then walking into dancing class and mr Cheeseman was like, um "Did you eat today?" or like something like this. I'm like How do I don't know. I had this. She she said something to me like that, and I suddenly was like, "Oh my god!" Like i thought everyone was against me i was like oh my god my mom has obviously called mrs cheeseman and told her that i'm not eating because i was constantly having fights with my mom about did i eat (laughs) all of this stuff and i used to like there was a lot of lying that went into that i'm like no 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 i promise i did like break time i ate food and then i'd always just tell everyone that i was eating at separate times It, it like completely my entire day like i i had to be like super like you know like food is something that brings us together and it's a very social thing and i think that also segregated me a lot from people because i didn't ever want to eat with them so you know i was like i'd always avoid going out for lunch with people or like avoid things or i suddenly just became this person who only spoke about oh yeah i ate food here and i ate food here and like all i thought about was food and like like it was just really like depressing to have your whole life reduced to just like have you eaten have you not eaten have a fight with this person you know got it it kind of like the worst point that i realized i remember i was like fuck i'm really stuck was when like i was hurting everyone around me because i wasn't eating and then i'd be like okay just just but that made me like happy in a sense to not eat then I'd eat because I'd feel bad that I'm hurting others and then that would make me really unhappy so it's like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place and yeah uh I think my parents were very like my mom specifically was like tough love like she was just like super like you know rude to me around food and everything and like you better eat this and you got to do this and and um I think ultimately it it did it did help me I think Although I think with eating disorders and with these things, like the scary thing with all mental health, the scary thing is like the only person who can help yourself is you. Like you have to want to get better. Um, And no one, no matter how hard they try, like no one can, no one can change your mind. Like you have to somehow find that. And for me, it was like reaching a rock bottom. I remember I was like, I was meant to perform in one of the Ice and I had like my own solo dance and that um one of the directors of the company had like choreographed for me and we spent so long on it and like we went to a dress rehearsal and I like did the thing on stage and she stopped me halfway and she was like you're too weak to do this and I felt like such a failure I like ran outside my mom was like oh did you eat your oats today like da, 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 like, like you know like as if that was like one simple solution and I ultimately wasn't even able to do that I said for dance I felt like such like such a such a failure I think that at that point something snapped in me and I was like right like you need to want to get better and from then on like I had like I always have like even now I have like a two voices in my head one which is like you know that's it like anorexia and all of that stuff that's like a good place to be that's what you deserve But then there's another part that's like no 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 like you deserve to be happy and you deserve all of that, that stuff and there's like constantly this battle between the two and i think that 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 voice i don't think i'll ever be able to get rid of it um but i am able to silence it and um let the good one take over the good ones take it over for a long time and be very happy very good
1: yeah yeah um oh god, I have so much I wanna say ah! because this <laughs> is the this thing just keeps on coming up. This have we talked about this internal family systems? Yeah, I of, love yes.
0: that. You're the one who told me about that. I actually told it to the rabbi Chabad and his wife like read a book on it and she was like, Oh my god, and I was like, bonding with the raps. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> was this the rabbi in Cambridge? Yeah,
0: in Cambridge.
1: Who I've met. He's lovely. <laughs> Um yeah, so it's like that voice and actually we talked about this yeah. in the time you told me about it, which was like, oh my god, like I feel like I'm gonna cry thinking of that in oh. the Salon garden. Oh my god. <laughs> when <laughs> me and Izzy had a very magical experience together. A very um, magical experience. And yeah understanding that voice like separating that voice from you like it's not you yeah but the next step because i think a lot of people recognize this stuff like there's all this like death to ego and like this is you know this part of you that's your inner critic and yeah. stuff. but ifs is like the next step where it's like you have to give love to that as well so even that voice who's yeah is seriously like putting your life at risk by making you start It's, like, listening to it and then, like, do you feel like you're in a point where you can have compassion for the voice? Or is it kind of this thing that you're, like, I need to just shut it away?
0: I still think I'm at the point of trying to shut it away. Even, like, like... Like while I was walking, here, I was having this thought, I was like, oh my God, why am I always so fucking anxious about everything? And I was just thinking like, oh, it's going to be so nice to see Delia and just to be able to like talk and not be like in my head thinking about that. Um, cause like when I'm alone, I, I have like a lot of anxiety, although I do enjoy being alone. And sometimes I don't have a lot of anxiety about that, but, um, I think I'm, I think I'm still at the, at, in my headspace. space, I'm t- I'm still like trying to just like say like no it's not there, go away. Like, you know, instead of having com I'm not at the point of having compassion for it and saying like, yeah, I'll I'll this is okay. Like you can have space here. Um
1: yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> 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 I, 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 well, so actually that's what I wanted to ask you. Like how but Also you- it's this is like this is like
0: like sometimes like, our thoughts are not, like, stuck in stone. Like, sometimes maybe I do have, like, the compassion. And sometimes I don't. And, like, maybe my memory, like, is only making me think right now that I'm, I don't have the compassion for it. But, like, you know, like, we're always, like, fluid and changing. And, like, some some days are really, really good. And, and some, like, months are really good. And, you know, um, and other times they aren't. Like, it's hard to, like, it's actually really hard, I think, to like reflect on how you are feeling i find mm. that like really hard to like actually know
1: like what mm. what is the truth yeah um yeah because i was just thinking you have like you have so much compassion for your dad like you talked about going through that period of yeah anger and hate yeah and now you have access this amazing place of I guess forgiveness and, and love and compassion how were you able to do that do you think
0: I think that my dad is like just such a wonderful he's such a wonderful dad and he he really like does love me he loves all his kids and um, so 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 much and um, you can just see that through like he gives us like his he gives us his time he will always give us his attention he will you know always be worrying about us and he, he just wants the best for us like if you know he he spoils us he's, he's like you know if he wants us to have opportunities in life he wants us to be able to do whatever we want to do and I think just seeing that love that he always gave me like I think it just naturally, like, I realized, okay, like, you know, like, he's, like, not a bad person. In fact, I have a lot of guilt. I have a lot of guilt for, like, not talking to him for, like, those three years. And and, um, for, like, I remember the other day I was like, Dad, like, I know I was, like, not so, like, good at that time. And he was like, yeah, you were, like, so horrible to me. And I felt so bad. I felt so, 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 so guilty about that.
1: I know.
0: You should have guilty. Yeah. I used to give my dad such a hard time when he was younger as well. I used to hate the idea of smoking cigarettes. And, like, if he'd ever, like, if I'd ever see him smoke a cigarette, I'd, like, throw the biggest tantrum. He'd have, like, house parties all the time, and I'd, like, put up no smoking signs, like, when I was, like, six, five or six years old. And it would make me so, like, so, 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 so upset i'd like run to my room i'd lock myself in my, in my room for like the entire evening and i wouldn't eat and i'd cry and i'd cry and i'd cry and i'd cry and I'd be so upset at him and all his friends as well whenever they see me now they're just like oh my god is he remember when you were younger <laughs> like it was such a
1: handful i was yeah <laughs> what it, was it because you'd heard smoking's dangerous and you did. yeah and i didn't i was like
0: upset that he like i thought that like, if you had like 30 cigarettes you would die. And i was like like how can you do this to us like yeah i remember telling my friend like Mika when like her mom was smoking with my dad i was like do you know that 30 cigarettes 30 cigarettes and she was like oh my god i think my mom's had like 12. (laughs) we were like swimming in the pool and planted our little holiday house was so funny i remember it's so distinctively um
1: and now you smoke do you oh yeah
0: i smoke now i smoke now
1: (laughs) Not much though, do No, you? for now I'm addicted to the vape. Um, yeah, see. Um, okay, can we talk about when you moved to the UK or why you decided to?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so, I moved to the UK, um, I was studying mechatronic engineering in, uh, UCT in Cape Town. And I, actually, before that, I wanted to... I had met a guy who was like my first love Ynev, and um, he was on study abroad when I was still in high school and like we just connected super super well how and did you meet? we met at a Pesach Seder and he was on Pesach. like Xanax or something I don't know he was hyper space a, a Pesach Seder it's like it's a Jewish um, Chagim it's a Jewish holiday and you like sit around a table and you talk about how the Jews left Egypt.
1: Is that the one with the hearts? Where you build the hearts? Yeah.
0: Oh no, that's Sukkot. Yeah, that's Sukkot. Oh my god, testing my Jewish knowledge. No, that's the one where you eat matzah. Because the you you don't eat any bread because the Jews didn't have time to let their bread rise. at Pesach Seder, and then yeah, we had a few dates. And, uh, we climbed up some mountains we danced a lot together it was just really fun and um I remember being like oh my god like I want to I was like infatuated with him and I was like okay I need to move to America so there go like all of my like like I put so much time into to make doing American applications I I got like uh, had to like get a special person to come to South Africa to, or to come to Cape Town to my school, to register the SAT test. Cause they'd never done that before. I had to do those tests and all these things. Anyways, I got into some universities. Um, I got into, but like nothing that I like, no scholarships and nothing that I was like, Oh my God, like I have to go there. So I decided not to go. And I was like, right, I'm going to do mechatronic engineering at UCT. I had a scholarship for that. And, um, I thought engineering was cool, especially coming out of, like, my anorexia. I, I didn't want to do... Like, I wanted to stick out, I think. um, Because, like, dancing was, like, my one thing that was me. And I was like, fuck, what am I? And oh, I did you. the whole, like, woman had, in
1: STEM vibes. Because you <laughs> had to give... You had to give up dancing.
0: Yeah. Mm, mm. I did have to give up dancing. I just... Like, it wasn't like I was necessarily kicked out. I think I kind of was like, I mean, I remember, um, Debbie, our, like, uh, director, she like kept having meetings with me, like on the Saturdays, like when I kept saying, okay, I'm going to like resign. I want to resign. And she was like, don't do this. Like you're a star and like, blah, 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 blah. And like, you, you know, you really have a special talent. Um, and like, you know, you're throwing away so much. And I was like, no, I just, I just can't. I lost all my passion for it. And it. It was hard um yeah so then i went into engineering i mean i do like math. i was good at math and physics and i also liked the element of being different with it like i mean even in mechatronics there was like three other girls and there was like 300 guys and like it it made like i don't think this is a good way of thinking of anything but it gave me like some kind of like okay yeah i'm different like i'm doing something different um and yeah, I was studying there and then... And what does mechatronics involve? Mechatronics is like mechanical um, engineering and electrical engineering.
1: Why are you making that oh, face? Sorry, no, because <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just reliving when I started chemical engineering. We had to do that, like a general engineering subject. And I think it was like mechatronics was like building this robot. Yeah. And I was like i don't know how the fuck to build a robot and i don't care like chemical engineering has nothing to do with that and so i'm just like oh horror really remembering it
0: oh i think it's so fucking cool i really like it great yeah (laughs) (laughs) although it was really hard it was so hard i remember doing like my first physics um like we had lectures from like seven o'clock in the morning until like five and then we had like like a physics exam test whatever like seven o'clock in the evening, like on the same day. I remember coming out of it and I was like, I think I got a hundred percent. And I got the results back. I got like 15%. I failed.
1: Um, (laughs) So I was like, wait, what's going on? I bet you actually got like 97%. No, I swear to God.
0: I was failing. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know what was going on. It was very difficult. And like when I moved to the UK and I did, I to do biomedical engineering after a year when I, um, was like I, I didn't do I stop mechatronics um, why did you decide to move I decided to move because I wasn't happy like the same thing I, I still even though like I thought that moving to university I would make new friends I would be able to like you know I didn't have friends in in high school I got really badly bullied in fact and I thought that like that it would be different going to university but like this the it was really hard to get out of the circles that I was in, and still, like everyone, kind of even like going to university, no one really left, moved out of their homes. Everyone stayed in the same so- social circles, like nothing really changed. And I, I just remember, like, we did a, we had like a SolidWorks class on a Friday afternoon, and we had a little test. And then I asked my one friend because I didn't know how to submit my assignment of SolidWorks, which I hated because I'm left-handed, and I didn't realize that I therefore needed to change the button of the mouse. So, like, everything I clicked was, like, reversed. And, like, it was just so hard. And I remember being like, what the fuck? It was, like, CAD. So, like, computer-aided design and stuff. And, anyways, I asked my friend to help me submit the test. And then he deleted it by mistake. And then, in the panic of the moment, I submitted. He let me copy his, sent it to me on email. And I, like, quickly changed, like, one or two different, like, things and submitted it. And I felt so bad. I remember just driving to, like, walking to my car... Got into my car and I was just, I just bawled out crying. I had a boyfriend at the time who was not univ not univ. Oh God, I, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. He just like drank beer with the boys all the time and like from uni. In, he was in a different uni he was like a soccer player he looked really good but there was nothing really much i was so sorry to this guy <laughs> he'll never find it it's fine um there was like no other connection he, he, he wasn't jewish he looked good <laughs> that's it how did you meet how did we meet <sighs> <sighs> okay. Ugh, honestly can't he doesn't me. even take up that much space my brain i can't okay. tell you but anyways he told me to come fetch him from from hudson's because it was like beer hour or whatever and I mean he, he needed a lift home and i was just like oh my god this is like so depressing like what is my life i felt like just I, it was just like i know the story doesn't sound bad but that i just had like a breakdown moment i called my dad and he was like just drive your car like and i was like i can't i don't know what to do like waited 20 minutes to calm down i drove to him we went out for dinner and he was like applied to study in the uk like you can you have a british passport like you've got all your applications out to apply I remember looking at the internet and it was on the ucas and it was like an hour before um no it was a day before something called what what's what's the thing where it's they close the time. applications and they start like doing the sec like I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I had a day, a night to do it. And I just smashed out these applications. I applied to like Nottingham, to Kings, blah, 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 blah. I remember applying for like bullshit degrees because I was like kind of angry at my dad. I was like, it's never going to work out. Like, I'll never get accepted to this.
1: Why did he tell you to go to the UK? He just saw you needed it.
0: He always knew that like, I I mean, I just did not ever fit in, in Cape Town. And I I hate it because it's the most beautiful place and everything. But the people there, I just... I guess it was, like, the bullying I kind of had anxiety of, like, I don't want to be, like, you know, if these people don't like me, I don't want to be invading their space. Um, I just always felt like I was invading, like, I, I I, wasn't really myself. It was very much, like, a culture of, like, the girls just always talking about dieting, always talking about, like, how they look and all of this stuff. And I, I, I think that with my anorexia, I knew, like, I, I couldn't compete in that. Like, I could never feel that beauty. And, I, and so, therefore, I didn't want to, like... I didn't want that to be any part of my life um and
1: were you, were you um back at a healthy weight at this point
0: at this point i was yeah when i was 18 i was healthy again um and yeah i applied i got into kings and then i left like i i i i got in on the same day as, as i was meant to write my maths exam and i was like fuck it i'm not writing <laughs> maths exam um i was like really confused if i should or shouldn't i was like no i'm not putting myself through that and then i went to to london how soon after? Like a month. Wow. Yeah. And that was then a whole nother experience.
1: <laughs> a whole nother chapter. Yeah, a whole nother chapter. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. you were studying... So I arrived in London and to do
0: biomedical... To do biomedical engineering. Um, I i remember we had like a freshers week and i actually hear this out i got scabies on my face so i couldn't go to any of the parties scabies like those little bugs that fucking eat your skin how how do you
1: get that
0: i think i got it from like i have no idea i think i got it from like well they say like dirty makeup brushes it could be that now my makeup brushes are always clean always clean I swear I to think god. That was
1: the second time I met you. You were cleaning. car. <laughs> really. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I, have I was cleaning there. You were like, yeah, I have a lot of time on my. <laughs> 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 oh, cuz you were intermittent. Yeah. Oh my god. We can
0: get to that. Okay, we can get to that. Am I talking too slowly? Am I saying no, too much? No, no, no. Okay. So, I arrived in London. Where did you live? For I years? lived in like these halls and my dad came to see them for few days and my mom as kings? well Sorry. kings is in like um by the strand by holborn mm-hmm. then there's also mm-hmm. one by waterloo there's also one by the shard um mm-hmm. and then i was mostly situated like in saint thomas hospital like opposite they have like a thing but that's like mostly for the like it's not an actual campus it's like actual offices there's like a specifically a robotics office section that they have mm-hmm. there um and where were yeah. your halls my halls were next to Borough market and my when my dad saw them he like cried because they were so bad they had like the carpets that were like if you like touched them with your bare hands you would get like a razor burn do you know what i mean and the shower was like tiny it was on top of the toilet like situated on top so like i'd shower <laughs> with my legs open like over the fucking toilet um and it was just really gross but yeah that was holes for the first year but like i never complained i was like Yo, this is so happy and i was super happy i was like i'm super lucky and everything um i immediately got into a re- relationship with this guy called ollie um oh yeah yeah and then uh i i mean i i don't think that there was like I, like ollie was very sweet and like he was he was really sweet he was in your course he was in my course and um
1: 200 people or something or mm -hmm. less how big was your course like
0: 20 people I dated two guys (laughs) in my course can you imagine
1: it was not 20
0: (laughs) yeah okay no 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 more like 40 there were like 40 okay 40 um but when I was with Ali then I relapsed into like anorexia again like hardcore that was like the worst I've ever been um and so like I guess like with him my ties I'm like not not like not so good feelings but like nothing I don't think it was anything to do with him
1: and so when so the first time you because I was thinking when you saying when you're not eating so obviously it's like hard to socialise because there's a lot of socialising around mm. food and so that energy was that going into dance like so instead of eating you would spend the time like just practising dancing?
0: No no I would spend the time thinking about food obsessing over food trying to feed people food like everything I was, was like just
1: going to the supermarket
0: and looking at all the food yeah oh my god oh my god supermarkets but even now like I love it I love like but at that time like yeah I could go into a supermarket and like this is in London like now when I was alone like in Cape Town like it was different because like like I wasn't even though I was living by myself like my mom would always like drop things off and like stuff like I wasn't really like like buying so much of my own food um and like, yeah i was young i couldn't even drive but in london like i was like full reins by myself and i was like right i know exactly how to do this uh, and like how would, to not eat yeah and like it's like my brain just was filled with numbers all the time like i'd spend like i could go into a supermarket for like three hours and i'd sp- i'd like I- i'm obsessed with peanut butter and i'd like look at the different peanut butters and like compare the different amounts of carbs and I'd like I'd like know like like after a year of doing this like everything like I knew all the numbers like you could tell me this packet and I'd be like yeah okay carbs 4.3 grams this da da, 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 da like all of this shit.
1: And were you conscious of anyone wondering what you were doing? Yeah.
0: I'd like get so anxious, but it was almost like a high. Like it was like it was just like, yeah. And I'd always look... I'd always be, like, waiting for the time where I could eat. Like, and, like, looking forward to the time at, like, 6 o'clock in the day when I'd make a miso soup or whatever. And, I mean, yeah. It was just, like, yeah. Food was, like, this amazing thing that was on this pedestal that, like, I just didn't deserve.
1: Yeah. So, the reason I was asking about that... Because I think you said that recently when I saw you in Cambridge that you, were like, you just threw yourself into... Like pole dancing, rehearsing, yes. But is that that's a separate? No, that yeah. Because I was gonna ask if you became like dancing was your obsession, but then in London, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but you were like studying became your obsession, and like you had to be like top of the class. Yeah, is that a separate thing, or is that related to eating as well? I think that like.
0: I think that the way to describe it is that I think I have, I don't like saying I have a lot of anxiety because maybe I, I mean, I think everyone has anxiety, but like my, I'm not saying I have like a shit ton. I do know. I definitely do have anxiety. Like my way of like my general brain feels anxious. How do we cope with it? Obsessed with one thing. And so obsessed over food, obsessed over getting the best marks, obsessed over pole dancing, like the, like, I re- like the most recent pole dancing competition I did like 5 minutes beforehand I tore my hamstring and then I just some girl gave me like ibuprofen or whatever and I like down them and I went on stage and I did everything I danced I came first and everything like that and afterwards I remember feeling like oh my god what the fuck like because I'd been it was like you know so I'd gone crazy with it even when I went back to Cape Town like 2 3 weeks before that And, like, I didn't do anything except for, like, I found a pole studio. And for, like, seven hours a day, I just went to pole. Like, I was obsessed.
1: So maybe that is that when you're healthier with food, you'll turn the obsession into something else. Yeah, and I was quite healthy with food. Like, pole dancing made me feel
0: really confident. And, like, I mean, I absolutely, I do really, really, really love it. And I think that it was so good for like my confidence and like just regaining like a, like a love for my body. Um, that's definitely there now. Like I have a lot, a lot of, a lot of compassion. <laughs> good. Yeah, it's nice.
1: Okay. Fuck! I'm like there's so much I want to talk about. Uh-huh. With. <laughs> okay, Dina, you
0: must stop me because I'm just talking too much.
1: <laughs> no, you're not. Okay. This is what it's <laughs> meant to be. People want to hear about your life. <laughs> um, okay. Should we go back to London or should we talk about what you're doing now? Because I kind of want to ask you if you're going to keep doing pole dancing or what it looks yes. like. Yes. Well, because the message you sent me. What I read When I was like, will you come to a podcast? And you were like, when I read what you said? Yeah. You were like... Um... <laughs> you like yes I would be honored do you have any idea about which aspect you'd like to talk about anorexia slash mental health women in STEM stripping like, yes we're pretty much yeah. covering all of them I like
0: I would love to like like I know that dancing being on stage performing pole dancing like that is where I am happy um I do feel indebted to, like, because of, like, all of the studies that I've done, like, that I should also, like, you know, somehow, like, or in my life, balance the two. And I know we spoke about this, like, when we were talking about careers, like, last year. And you were like, you can do both. And you were also saying how, like, even though, like, just because you have an engineering, like, degree doesn't mean you need to, like, always pursue that path. I think this is, like, a... There's, like... uh, it's like a very common like human thing of like if you've invested time, uh, there's a word for it. I don't Some know. Cost fallacy. Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, it happens with relationships. Yeah. With, with anything, it's like because I've invested in this, I need to keep going, even yeah. though I you know. that is not right.
0: Yeah. And this happens with people as well. I feel like sometimes they're like connections that like are not worth the energy, and then are not actually I think beneficial. But you like oh fuck, well like. Known each other for a long time and like, therefore, this needs to carry on. Um,
1: but yeah. Okay, wait. So let's go. So back to London. Yes. So you're at Kings, and then that's when you were the most unwell you've ever been. Yeah, that in, was, in your first year. In right? my
0: first year, at Kings, and and I remember like um we had our first like semester break or not first semester like our first year break and that's when I was going on holiday to see my dad and then my mom um for the first time like since they'd left me for the whole year um and I was like really nervous for them to see me because I knew that they'd be unhappy and I was like okay Izzy like you're gonna be you know like just be happy and show that you're okay and show that you're fine and like um, I went to Ibiza with my dad and like my siblings and it was just like a very emotional time I think like I, I was just I mean I was unhappy and like I, I'm so embarrassed because like I still like I said to my younger sister the other day like like we're every, ever talking about those times she's like yeah Yo, you were such a bitch you were like oh my god and like sometimes like my dad's like wife like she'll like sometimes be like oh yeah Izzy like her you were so bitchy at that time what was going on and I'm like Ugh. What, like what were you like the thing is that like I have a lot of like I, I fucking, my memory is so bad with this stuff I feel like when you're not eating like your memory really is impacted so there's like a lot of like just like of like things I'm just like I don't know and I, I think I was also very like internal in my own head Mm -hmm. um but like apparently I was like really like like I'd wake up in the morning and be like come we need to go do things we need to be doing things and like I was like just very on edge and um and then I remember um like after seeing my dad like my dad was like just before when we left Ibiza like he was like yeah um he he was gonna call my like professor Oleg and tell him that I'm not um that i'm not coming back and he was like i'm booking you into rehab and you're staying in cape town um and i like then went on to see my mom in italy and then went back to cape town um and then again i was like right like i can't let like what what the fuck am i doing to myself and then you know like started recovering and and just trying to recover i didn't go to to um rehab that time but like i did have um I didn't even do counselling either. I, I I really don't like counselling because it makes me feel super guilty. And I remember with my counsellor, like from the first time when I was anorexic, like I'd always just be like, Oh, I like your nails, or like this and this and this. Like I would talk to her about such bullshit because I, I just felt so bad being there. Um but how much weight had you lost at that point? I was thirty five kilograms. And I remember like I just wanted to get to 34, like 34.2. I was like, I just want 34.2. I remember being in a beat and like always checking the scale in my dad's bathroom. Um, and being like, oh, I'm just going to the toilet. And like, you know, I'd be like, okay, maybe you're drinking too much water. Like, and, or like, you know, it was like, I, 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 and I didn't, I didn't want to be healthy. Like I remember like my mom and dad always like just take some vitamins. And I was like, I don't want to take them. Like I don't, I wanted to be like sick. Like i just really really hated myself a lot oh. but, <laughs> but like i think that i even talking about this now like i feel uncomfortable in a way because i feel like we all like i'm not like oh a special person like hate yourself like we all deal with this i mean like that's that's like in talking about this like i just like I think that, like, it's it's sad that we do all deal with this because I know, like, we have friends and, like, you know, we always say to each other, like, you know, you're such an amazing person and you do okay. And we, we genuinely genuinely believe it. Like, when I'm like, Delia, I think you're fucking insane. Like, I, I genuinely believe it. And I think it's so sad that, like, you know, there's so many humans on this earth. And, like, you know, why do we sometimes... Why are we so hard on ourselves all the time? Like, life is so complicated and crazy and like there's no way that we can control it all and like we can't always be the best like we don't like we just yeah like you know um
1: you know. Hey, <laughs> yeah, i love you <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's so is that the point that you then turned around when you're back in case yeah and you got back to and and, and started getting running. better and what's I, your what's your normal weight for i mean if you don't mind so. I, I don't weigh myself anymore but i was say like would 65 like, yeah so 35 just as in because it's not like you're four foot yeah old. no so 35 is really it really was tiny low.
0: yeah i remember everything hurt like the hurt just sits everywhere like Bones were fucking sticking up. I had bruises everywhere. Like, I was just, like... I did feel... You, yeah. Did you ever go to rehab? I went, like, to, like, some, like, outpatient stuff, like, when I was younger um, at Crescent Clinic and, like, you know, had, like, dieticians and stuff like that. Um, and it would give me so much anxiety because I just wanted to, like, show them that I was okay. Like, I just wanted everyone to be, like, to think that I was okay. So I, like, drink like a liter of water before I went to the dietitian because she'd weigh me and like I remember feeling so much anxiety like oh my god I'm going to let her down I'm going to let her down I'm going to let her down um it's so bizarre like what the fuck it's just food but Jesus it was a big it was big it was like everything like even in the morning if my mom would make me scrambled eggs and like I'd be like oh my god she's putting so much butter on it i went to a uh, like i remember going to the school therapist because my mom packed me a cheesecake for lunch and i was like this cheesecake is too big like what Like, what was my brain thinking? Like, it's just such a fucking useless thing to be worrying about. And what did the therapist say? I don't know what he said. I think he was just like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's okay. (laughs) He was probably like, what the fuck is this chick on about? Like, honestly. There are so many, like, bigger problems in the world than a piece of fucking cheesecake. But that's how you, like, your brain is, like, literally sick. Like, it's just different it doesn't feel like me now like that I feel like it. like I have this like personality dysmorphia sometimes of like I'm like what like was that? how was I
1: capable of being like that or thinking like that um, so how soon were you able to go back to life where your parents kind of like prove that you're healthy and then you can go back
0: I had to go back because like the, the I mean the new year was starting and like I think that They saw that immediately when I got to Cape Town. I was like, right, I need to get better. I think when I was in Italy with my mom and um my stepdad David, like I remember like just looking at photos and being like, oh my God, like that looks so bad, and like I, I, like I. I, Luckily, like I saw that I I didn't like it I i recognize like okay like this doesn't look so healthy and you don't you know but like i said like th- my thoughts aren't binary so like sometimes i think that but then sometimes i'd be like oh my god okay now you just let yourself eat a piece of cake like and then i think the total opposite but um yeah then um, then yeah what happened um i went back to london <laughs> all right then i broke up with ali and um then i got into another relationship with someone
1: <laughs> yeah and like
0: yeah i think that i'm very much done with the like jumping into relationship things like I, I i mean i'm saying this now and i'm sure like this will happen to me again but like now i look back at those relationships and the person i was and i'm like oh that's so far in that's that's not me like what what were you what were you doing but (laughs) yeah okay
1: Um. and then you no it's just i'm like the exact same but i mean this is yeah so you feel the same as well
0: yeah but then like all the guys that like i have like broken up with i'm just like okay bye like Never a feeling or anything. And it was like, what is that? Like, I, I think, I don't know what that is. That's another thing to unpack. <laughs> we will not talk about that now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although that one guy came back into your life. Which one? The, the original one. knew <laughs> oh my god yeah but we don't have no, to but I saw
0: him and like we were I saw him in London for like 4 hours and we are just like in a I was like also with him I was like no no I, I guess I was just younger and like I didn't really know but at that
1: time I, I was I, I was in love but not anymore um and so then should we talk about Cambridge yeah let's talk about Cambridge you so you finished the Kings that was three years,
0: yeah. I finished the Kings and I um then went to Cambridge. And um, I yeah, I, I was like, I think Cambridge is like it is something that like I even like when I was younger, like I really I even wrote in I found like an autobiography like vibe thing that I made in grade five and I was like maybe what was at 12 years old and i would written down like i was like i want to when i grow up i want to be a dancer and i want to be smart and go to harvard or oxford okay cambridge is quite similar to that like i always had this this kind of thing of like i wanted to get there i wanted to prove something and so i was really 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 happy to get in and i remember when i got the email i was like um in my house in cape town with my mom and david and um this was during covid because i had to leave so i left kings in my third year and finished the third year in cape town because it was covid i remember getting the email i was in the house with my mom and david and i was just like crying and i was like oh my god i just remember thinking right life is sorted like everything's great like that's all i've ever dreamed of like like i'm fulfilled now yeah Um, obviously that's not the case (laughs) For a master of biotechnology and chemical engineering. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so um, went to Cambridge, um, but arrived during the COVID times. And um, I mean, it was a very, like, I mean, we were, were we there together? We were. Wait, but we were living in different houses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you were also away sometimes. Yeah. I didn't meet you until. So you had the first year. When? Because you then went back. I was so scared of you when I first met you. I was like, you're so cool. <laughs> okay. Um, you. Because you went home. Was it January? I went. That yeah, so David passed away. Yeah, in January David
0: passed away. So I was there in September, um, and I had like um, yeah, I arrived in September, and I was there until January when when David died, and then I went back to South Africa. Um, so yeah, should I? if you want to yeah I can you can ask me specifics (laughs) (laughs) sorry I said you can ask me any specifics
1: Uh, oh yeah so David your stepdad Mm -hmm. who really unexpectedly died of COVID yeah and he was like
0: my absolute like like best friend we had such a really really great connection like he came into my life when I was 12 when my parents got divorced and he was just like such a special person he he was like he was an architect he was so thoughtful and like the way that he looked at the world was just amazing and he just helped so many people um like I mean the amount of times like he help me with my school projects or he'd help my sister's friends with those school projects to like get into uni or like uh, you know he was just always so attentive with everyone I know that my friend DP had like a fundraising thing for this one child soldier who had moved to South Africa and like everyone like gave money and David gave money and everything and then David Wait what do
1: you mean a like, child soldier?
0: Like he was an ex child soldier from like Rwanda um, and um, he was living on the streets in Cape Town and my the friend way DP you said it sounded like you were like
1: supporting
0: child (laughs) okay yeah yeah no so there's a guy who needed help (laughs) and um like DP raised so much money for him and like it got it went viral like so many people um uh had put in money to help this guy and David out of all of the thousands of people who um this like um this campaign got to David was the only one who messaged DP and was like hey can I take this guy for like maybe someone walks up the mountains on Saturdays or like, you know, like mentor him and like actually give him my time. And like, he was just that kind of person. Like he gave everyone time and he, no matter how young you were, no matter how old you were, no matter like your like power or whatever, he would always give you like attention and love. And yeah, he was just amazing. Um, And he felt like, like I say, I was really lucky to have him, felt like I had a second dad he helped me with so many things emotionally. Um, he was just always there. I feel so bad. Like now that he died, like I'm like, Oh my God, like the amount of time he had to spend just listening to me, like, like ranting about guys or like these stupid, like insignificant things, like on the greater scheme. Um, but yeah, he, so he got COVID with my mom, um, in December time. Um, and um my mom had it like they both had it for like you know like after a week um my mom was better david wasn't and um my mom took him to the hospital and he was in the hospital for like two weeks um i feel really bad because around that time like i don't remember it was like new year's and i was like i don't know like busy like but like no like i should have had more time to speak to him i didn't like I just wish I spoke to him more before in the December time, before he went into hospital. Once he was sick, like I tried to call him and he was like, my mom would always say like, no, he needs to protect his oxygen and everything. And like, I was like, okay, like I do, I'd message him every single day. But like by the time he was in hospital, he was like taken like after three days to ICU. Um, and he should have been taken sooner, but there wasn't space. And he didn't have his phone, but I'd still message him like all the time. I think the last message he said to me was like, like I was like David you got this you're so strong and like, you're so brave and like you, you're going to be fine and we can't wait to see you and you have this and he was like he was like no is he like I'm, I'm feeling like quite sick but thank you for your message like or something like that it was really sad um yeah really really sad because yeah it's like it's, that's been like a just like a it shattered my whole life when he died and like you know like how I said when my parents got divorced like that was the one thing that kind of I was like okay like we're we're not all superhuman and there's no such thing as a perfect human but then when David died it was like kind of like oh actually the whole world is not necessarily like um like only good things are going to happen and the whole world isn't really fair and that's a really scary thing But it's also like kind of freed me in a sense because it's like you know don't take everything so seriously i think um it's definitely changed me completely in that in that way um and also just like appreciate like the small things and be kind like i like i used to always think like oh i'm gonna change the world and like make this super device that's gonna save so many lives and it's like no like I just want to be kind to like everyone that I see and like you know on a personal basis like make sure that people feel love and like because I think that's just like the best feeling to have while we're here on this earth.
1: (laughs) I think you're pretty good at that. Thank you Deli. (laughs) You are. (laughs) yeah so it was so unexpected right because he was yeah like he was yeah in his
0: 50s he used to like climb up lions head like every single day like and like do it in record time like 33 minutes and he'd always want to get it down to 30 like he was he was just yeah like he didn't do drugs didn't like drink a lot like Well, actually, we used to have, like, a glass of wine every every day during COVID times. And we actually got to spend a lot of really, like, special... Like, I am grateful for the time that I got to spend with him before because, like, when I came back from London before I went to Cambridge and I was staying with him um, and my mom. And we got to spend a lot of special time together because of lockdown. So, like, we'd have, like, our dinner o'clock at, like, five o'clock every day. Although then the government banned alcohol, so it was kind of hard to get that although because he was an architect he my favorite story is like he he was we were sitting at the table and he was like is he do you want me to ask to get paid in wine because he was doing a project with a like winery um instead of money and like so we went up to stellenbosch Washington one day and like got like like filled his car with like bottles of wine anyways um i used to do like exercise with him in the morning every morning i'd like wake up i'd go downstairs i'd be like mom david like come we're going to exercise david would always join me um, my mom wouldn't, and then he'd go for like runs up and down the beach. He was super, he was super fit. It was super unexpected. um I remember like when I just, I feel so guilty about this. When I just came down from, he was really, really cautious about COVID in the beginning, and like when I just came down from London, he made me quarantine in like a separate apartment, and like actually one of my old apartments, and I was like so mad at him, and I was like, what the fuck? Like this is like, how can you tell me what to do? And like. You know I was just like this is so stupid and you know I feel so bad about that now in retrospect like even though I was screaming at him all the time he'd still come upstairs and like like sit with me while I ate my dinner like my mom was always downstairs like she wouldn't but like he'd come upstairs and even though I'd like always shout at him and be like oh I'm so mad you're making me like do this he'd come and he'd sit like far away from me while I ate my dinner um and like other things like he'd always, we'd go shopping for his mom um, and then like go to his mom's house, drop the groceries off, but he'd like make a bleach bath to like disinfect all the groceries and everything. He was super cautious. And then towards the end of it, he was like, Oh no, like, you know, everyone like, you know, just got to get it. Like it's like the flu. And then, you know, my mom and him used to joke like, Oh, we just need to get it. And then like, you know, we can be free and we can like, you know, not be afraid of anything. And, um, Yeah he and he like just like what i don't like i remember my mom i was in cambridge it was a friday night and she wasn't allowed to go visit him in the hospital um even though she had recovered from covid now and i remember her telling me like oh my gosh the doctor called me like we'd every day we'd get at like five o'clock we'd get his like vital signs they'd be like oh like oxygen at this this at this this is a bit lower like he's like stable, but not getting better, not getting worse, and I was always like, oh, he's in the ICU though, so he's got the best care, so that's fine, and like you know, you know, like I don't know, just always thinking like, no, it's fine, like this is not happening, this is not real. My mom called me the one day we're having like a Friday night dinner with this, like some friends in Cambridge, and she called me, she was like, oh, the, the doctors allowed me to go see David. And I remember just being like, oh, I'm so happy for you, mom. And I like, put down the phone and just burst out crying. Because I was like, you know, obviously the doctor's going to sneak her in to see him. Like, it's not very good. And she saw him on the Saturday. And, like, you know, he was all puffy. He couldn't, He couldn't move. He couldn't talk. He, apparently the only words he said to her was, like, Harry Potter dreams. And, like, while she was there, he, like, was, like had a hard time breathing. So the nurses had to come and flop him over. It's, like, this huge... David was really tall, like a huge tall guy. Like imagine having no control over anything. Um, And my mom said like she, she had to wear gloves and everything, but like she took them off and she like tried to give him like a foot massage and whatever. And then on the Monday, um, I woke up and she called me at like seven o'clock in the morning. And I knew immediately that like that David had died. And she was told by like a doctor who was not the same doctor who was originally looking after him. And the doctor just said like oh we ventilated him like and then he was on the ventilator for 20 minutes and then he died um, and like it's like did he die of a heart attack did he die because we ventilated him should we have ventilated him earlier should we have given him ivermectin which is like the anti-parasitic drug that everyone was saying is like the cure um, you know my mom Thinks she shouldn't have taken him to hospital. She think the hospital killed him because, you know, the, he was... It was a scary environment to be in. And, of course, you're like, brain, like, it's really important, like, to also, you know, feel comfortable. And no one... No ICU patient is going to feel comfortable with, like, everyone walking around with PPE and you can't have your family members there to, like, support you. Um And, like, I... I, I think that's, like, a really... I'm like, I just don't understand how people haven't been talking about that since the end of COVID. Of, like, how, like, mental health was completely, like, thrown out the window in terms of treating COVID patients. Like, I mean, that's just... Like, I don't even get scared talking about it now because it just doesn't... It feels like, like, couldn't imagine. Like, imagine being in a pandemic and you, you have the thing that is the pandemic. You have COVID. And you, like, can't breathe. And, like, you feel like you have wasps in your lungs. And, like, there's, like, you don't know what day it is. You don't know what time it is. You don't know where your family is. You feel like you've been isolated. Like, that's just nuts. Like, we should have... I think we should have been allowed to see our family
1: members. Yeah. Yeah. You did an interview about that, didn't you? Yeah. Kind of saying something like how
0: western like western medicine i think kind of discards like it just looks too much at the physical you know like you have a like i don't know your heart's beating really fast you have a sore heart okay let's give you some like drugs so that your heart starts beating slower but like wait let's also ask like how's your life going like are you stressed like even stressed like okay we can think that's a mental thing it is a physical thing like your it's a physical reaction like everything isn't I don't know like I think in Western medicine we've somehow gotten to the space where our brain and like how we feel is no longer considered like physical and it doesn't matter like with mental health
1: it's like you know and with David it was something about like having hope yeah
0: I think that if we were around him and like saying like things are gonna be fine it's all going to be fine I think like people forget how powerful like and healing other people can be like we're social we're social animals and we like we need to feel you know good in our brains in order to function like if you're super unhappy you can't function like you know go crazy
1: yeah yeah and I guess even yeah, those loss yeah, it's just so hard. Those final moments that he, you know, because if someone is terminal, they at least they get their family gets to be with them for yeah. the, for the end.
0: Yeah, and he was just like there, and I like that's why I, like that message is like so poignant because it's just like I feel like you could like his. M- thing was like i'm giving not i'm giving up but like he was just you know that must have been so fucking scary like imagine you're in a bed and you like know that you're, you're you're dying like his last hand movements apparently was like a thumbs down and that's when the nurse came and then i'm like well maybe the nurse didn't come fast enough like you know you're not there you don't know what yeah but you can't control these things
1: and like yeah so you ended up taking a year of studies after yeah that.
0: yeah so i landed up intermitting. i remember like when david just died i was like i still stayed in cambridge for like another two weeks um and i was like like i just didn't want to go back to cape town i didn't want to face it um and then i was like right i do have to go i went back to cape town and i was like why am i still doing this degree like firstly like i was like i was like i can't I mean, I couldn't think about any of it. So I, I intermitted, which means I took a year long break from yeah. my from studies. Yeah, because
1: you don't have a choice, right? If you need time off. You yeah, you have to take Cambridge. a year.
0: Yeah. But they didn't want me to take it off. And they were like, you can just carry on online
1: from Cape Town.
0: And I was like, no, like, I, you know, it's a very practical course. Like, I'm not going to get anything out of it online and I'm not in a rush. Um, at the same time, like, that intermission, like, was a really hard time because i mean i was just processing like david like david not being there and i i know like my like my dad and like my family does mention that like i am very like impacted by it like i i still cry a lot about it and you know i'm not sure what the normal grieving process is i know there's not like a normal grieving process but like intermission was not easy taking a break and for for like that reason of grieving and then also the reason of like having a lot of time for the first time like being such an overachiever and everything and giving myself that break like I felt so guilty and I still do I still feel so guilty about that I'm like oh like you know like why what's the guilt that like I I guess like I feel like almost like in a way like I I feel like I get into I can get into these like working patterns of like working like really really hard and and out of stress and out of feeling stress and like you know um it's not enjoyable but like I get things done and you get some like dopamine from that and I feel like I've like kind of giving myself too much leisure and like not feeling stress and therefore I'm not doing a lot of work and I feel like I could be doing more I feel like 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 I'm wasting time like there's a lot of guilt with with that I I feel like I'm almost like stuck in like some sticky honey and it's like really hard for me to like get out of it and like be that workaholic that I was when I was younger but at the same time I'm like happy like I think that like since David died I've been more focused on short-term happiness um and less on like the things that are going to make me long-term happy like for example working as hard as i did to get to cambridge um like nowadays nowadays i'm more like oh i just you know i want to enjoy like more short-term things i just want to like have a good cup of coffee with a friend and a lovely chat and like you know i want to like soak everything in and it's kind of like at the moment i'm trying to find the balance because I wherever i am where i'm at at the moment i I feel guilty that i'm not doing enough and then in that there's like a lot to unpack with with that like i don't know like i guess that's where like self like why do you think you're worthy is probably for me i still think that like the way that i can be worthy is through my work I feel like I have to be like that in a way
1: yeah yeah this is all <laughs> stuff that I struggle with as well
0: yeah and it's like okay cool like now you're in the situation of like okay I'm not working so hard but you still have the brain of someone who wants to work hard and so it's fucking hard like and you feel so bad mm-hmm. yeah exactly
1: yeah so, should we? Okay, so you did end up coming back, finishing your course. You had yes, an amazing year. I had an amazing year. I started my pole dancing um, stuff,
0: which I loved. And I did lots of performances and shows, and that was really great. And I, um, you know, somehow managed to also do the course pretty well. Um, and um, yeah. Really well,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> and the course is all done oh can you say that one ethical thing on your summer in your summer project How yeah. you were like I'm not being a part of oh my are we god! we allowed to talk about that? yeah 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 I'm sure we can that it's like it was Kim, ethically weird yeah what is it?
0: So, I was on the device I was working on yeah we we're working on a device that Prevented that you put into your heart into your aorta and it prevents blood flowing through your breath to your brain, and it's used on a dead person when you are pumping blood through their body in order to test how healthy their heart is, to see if you can donate use their heart for donation.
1: Um, just, yeah. But wasn't there something like there's a risk that they come back? To yeah. Life?
0: So that's why you have this device that prevents the blood from flowing to your brain so that they can't come back to life when you're pumping their body with blood. But like, I'm pretty sure like they, if someone's like, there's a very small chance, but it was just like a weird, it was a very weird project to work on. I, 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 I didn't really like it. And I think that also like, like, anything to do with hospitals and with death and all of that stuff, I'm a lot more sensitive to at the moment. Um, and I think that the, my like peers were like always like you know making fun of these things, and I was just like, oh, like I don't think this is a topic. Like that's just me being sensitive though. I think
1: making fun of
0: well, oh like oh we're, we're gonna ex- get a
1: dead body to
0: do this on and like ha ah, hmm. like you know you know what I mean.
1: But yeah. I don't wanna
0: be a stick in the mud like no. You know.
1: But I feel like maybe that's something that's lost a bit in. The culture, I don't know. I'm this is the first time I've had those thoughts, so I'm just gonna say it. But you know, cultures, civilizations throughout history, it's like respecting the dead is such a big part, and there's all these rituals around that, yeah, and religions, and whatever it is. Um, and now maybe that's a bit lost, do you think? So people don't because I i feel like if you've ever lost someone close to you it it would be very unlikely that you're going to be treating a body like that yeah
0: so you say you think in society like now we've lost that respect
1: i don't know maybe because some of the traditions have you know there's this transition between people like leaving religious institutions, but then it's like there's not quite a replacement, and then it's like, oh, one of the good things about having traditions and rituals is you learn things like how to respect, yeah, you know, and you learn about death, yeah, and you learn about all these things that are that I feel like maybe some young people I don't know, I'm just saying random stuff that's None. one point and then the other point is yeah if you haven't lost someone close to you yeah, then you yeah so I don't think you're being so over sensitive because yeah. yeah I lost my brother and saw his body which is yeah a very and I feel like after something like that I it changes you, could, you. yeah it totally changes you Yeah. So you're not being you're not being sensitive. It's good that you you, respect people who have passed. And all just because we don't know what happens with consciousness and all these things. Yeah. Um But yeah, okay, so that was the last thing you did at Cambridge. Yes. And now you're free. Now I'm free um i'm going to peru in like a month i'm
0: going backpacking with my friend carrie i'm super excited for that um and then i am going to train huskies in lapland um in sweden um for a few months it is a five-month contract but i what oh
1: my god i want to come and visit yeah please
0: come visit i'm gonna leave after like two months in the snow i think i'll be done I need someone to read my contract to see if I can run away because I'm only going to be there for two months and my contract says fine, There's like no fucking way. But come visit. It's going to be like up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. I'll see the Northern Lights and all of that. Get that experience. And then my goals, I'm going to come back to London. I'm going to be a pole dancer in the evening. I'm going to be a techie in the day. And um, yeah, that's, that's the plan
1: amazing you should you know google is west city I you know we work recording this and google's just downstairs so I maybe saw you should that. go
0: in and tell talk them to people. hire me yeah yeah i know why not maybe it's, that's the next that's the next goal
1: so exciting yeah i feel like you should come back on here when you're in no! loughlin and tell us what it's like <laughs> I mean because we yeah. I mean we could just keep talking forever but I feel like we should wrap up now because yeah. it's been guess how long it's been uh an hour how long it to been an hour and a half oh my god i got to put this whole thing on yeah <laughs> it's great oh dearly is there anything oh wait I wanna so my last question is wait what? two questions because you read great books is there a book that's had the biggest influence on your life Oh yes,
0: okay. Um, Affluence without abundance. It is about hunter gatherers um, and how they lived affluent lives without abundance, um, and it's basically um, just yeah, just showing how. I, I think it's a it's a really beautiful book. I think it's got really important, like important things in it and um it's basically like you know since settling down in the agricultural revolution we think that like everything it goes into like how we think that like the world is like way better now than like the primitive hunter-gatherers and actually isn't like looking at evidence that's not necessarily the case and it also goes into explain how like the agricultural revolution kind of built up a society um that we have now of like um S- this whole scarcity mindset of like how you have to work the land you have to like put in energy to nature and um wait long periods of time until you get your harvest back and so you'd have like a lot of scarcity and then a lot of abundance and a lot of scarcity and a lot of abundance and how it's kind of influences like our lives today um i think it's just like really um it's one of those books that like can help you have like you know okay let's look at the world in a different way and Things didn't always work like this, and like you know, our, our societies weren't always constructed like this. And there's a lot of, there's a, this is not the only way. And there's a follow-up book to that called Work: A History of How We Spend Our Time. And that focuses more on, um, yeah.
1: Who's the author?
0: James Sussman, South African guy. Who's at Cambridge now? Cool. Yeah.
1: Maybe we can get him on the podcast. Oh my god, I can! Yeah. I have his number. Great. I'll yeah. The <laughs> um. And then Yum. you read so many good. Okay, you definitely have to come back on because I want you to oh. talk about all the different books <laughs> oh. that you've told me about, like the Carlo Rivelli one. Is that the- yes?
0: Oh my the god! Physics. I love that. I actually gave that to um to this guy, Adam.
1: What's the book called again?
0: Um, uh, the Order of Time. It is the best fucking book ever. That's that book made me cry. It was just like time time is always like it's always like time is always here and it was just talking about that like 10 really short and sweet chapters had some poetry in it as well and just like it is a beautiful like it describes time in terms of physics in the most beautiful and like simple way um yeah just talking about how like you know we think time is linear and we think that like time is always the same like the time we spend now is the same time as, like, another hour that we can spend somewhere else. But, like, actually, time can speed up. Can- time can be slower. It's relative. Like, the present doesn't exist. There's no such thing as that. Like, it's just a it's a cool book. That's a nice book as well. Yeah.
1: And then Gunja- Guns Jams. Guns Jams and
0: Steel! St- oh, my God. Yeah. That was a good book as well. It was fucking long, though. I just got it back from James. In
1: Woodland. I borrowed it to him. Mm-hmm. I've just started using Twitter. It's really Really? fun. Oh my God, I'm so scared Someone's talking about sapiens, how it's like all... Now it's being like criticised. Yeah,
0: because they think that Yuval just like stole everyone's ideas and like wrote it down.
1: Or apparently it's not that accurate. I don't know. But someone was saying the same with gun germs in the same thread. Yeah. Someone was saying that, that they're like, oh, this is like disputed enough. You
0: know, this is what I hate about... a history student at Cambridge was, like, saying this. They're so, like, oh, it's, like, pub history. And I'm like, ugh, shut up. Like, it's a good way to, like, learn a
1: basic message, you know? But And th- to start a conversation. And, you know, as long as you're clever enough, which everyone should be, that not everything said is, like, absolute fact, you know? It's, yeah. like, what is true? This is one person's interpretation. This has been written to sell a lot of books. Obviously, it's not an academic book. It's a trade book as yeah. you know it's like you have to
0: you have to also like with communication you have to know like who your audience is and like it's, the audience of these books is like just layman it's like you know like I think that these, I, these that's what are. was
1: cool someone in the thread was like someone said gun Guns and Steel has always been considered dubious in our field and then someone replied saying I only ever read things that are considered dubious which I thought was really cool <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: that. Yeah, I don't think there's I mean I think that they they, there's interesting thoughts in in these books. I don't know why people have to be like, yeah, so critical.
1: Okay, and then last question, what are the three words that describe the person who you want to be in the world? How Um, you want to show up?
0: Oh, okay. Number one, daring. Number two, like sunshine. And <laughs> number three is, um, I can't decide between smart or nuts.
1: <laughs> Smarty nuts. <laughs> we made that one word. Nuts. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah, we're done.
0: Okay, bye everyone. <laughs>